The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. John Paz, and with me as always is the star of the show, former WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, as well as one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you today? John, doing great today. Now not gonna say great... one, not gonna say no, I'm not gonna say one thing about Knoxville today. Oh, that's gummit. That's yeah. what I was waiting for. Damn. Hey, no, no, I knew you were, but you see. I'm changing directions, man. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, uh, see if we can do something new with something old or something old with something new, however you want to do it. That seems to be the trend or the or the way things are going these days. So I am going to try and step right into it with them. You sound like uh, the Capitol Wrestling Center over at uh, NXT, the WWE Performance Center. Is that right? Yeah. You know what? That actually did catch my eye uh, today. And um funny thing about that is I really do believe Triple H is an old school guy. Every conversation I've ever had with him and uh, even heard him talk when he's talking about wrestling, I can tell uh, the fondness he has for the old timers, the fondness he has for the old school. So I, I respect him for that. And I respect the fact that at least in 2020, something of uh, relevance can come out of this. And and what I mean by that is, you know, Vince and WWE, WWF, what do you want to say, didn't really want to even acknowledge there was anything before the WWF and these days for WWE. And hopefully, you know, we can hope in one hand and crap in another. We'll see which one gets fuller faster, obviously. But but this may inspire some of the younger talent or some of the talent coming up. Uh, may not. But, but just to be curious and to find out about wrestling prior to the 1980s and 90s and 2000s. Because... Uh, again, looking from my eyes, and, and it's a whole different set of circumstances I know, professional wrestling has such an interesting past and has traveled down so many roads. And just to get to where they've arrived, where we have arrived at today in, in 2020, we cannot put the genie back in the bottle. We can't uh, uh, un, unring a bell, no doubt. But at the same time, 
there were elements that, that were used, hell, even back in the early 1900s. And, and the world's such a different place. We've come so far, yet P.T. Barnum said it best, there's a sucker born every minute. And um, I, and I think he meant that as I did. Uh, uh, very complimentary. The fact that you can engage and get into something and enjoy it for the f- mere fact that the magician or the um, performers before you take pride in what they do and don't want to tell you their secrets and want to make it a little bit more mysterious and and authentic and all the catchphrases I use and words that mean so much to me and uh, believability in it. Um, maybe maybe they fi- they might find a fascination with uh, a different way of doing things, a different pace, a different timing, a different set of rules, and a different a, a different code to live by. And then again, maybe not. Maybe it's all for for just the fact of of changing the name and not having anything brand new to put on it. But but then somebody raised their hand and said, "But wait." This this hasn't been used in so long. Let's say 1953. It'll be new again, and I think that applies to almost anything that you can look at in this business and any other business. And uh, can, you don't always have to reinvent the wheel to be new. You can reshape it, uh, put it in a different package. You know, put less air in it, more air in it, just the right amount of air in it. Whatever, it, it'll still roll along if it's done properly. But how many different brands of tires are out there? How many different um, categories are out there? Hell, there's plenty. I know because I bought tires recently, and it is. It's a sell. And it's it's the same thing with any business. And uh, I'm glad to see that at least uh, they have acknowledged the past, and they have acknowledged, they being WWE, have acknowledged that there was wrestling before Hulk Hogan. And Bruno San Martino. So, yes, 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 I was changing for the evening. And I'll continue to change. I'm tired of being stagnant. How about that? Love it. As far as, you know, the old school, is that something you constantly are telling the JPWA students? You know, not to reinvent the wheel, but maybe, uh, you know, watch something from the past and try to insert it into your matches. Fans most likely haven't seen it before. Most certainly, because uh, once again, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's anything so brand new out there, just waiting to be uh, told uh, that it's gonna, gonna make everybody all of a sudden turn the channel back to, to watching wrestling. I, I think there are elements from the past and attitudes from the past uh, that if implemented the right way. When wrestling is done great, when wrestling is done right, it it can be done great. But when it gets uh, so far, the pendulum swings so far to the right or left, uh, it can become not only ridiculous, but unenjoyable and not uh, not something that that I want to watch or or a lot of my contemporaries want to watch. I'll watch it. Uh, but it's not the same effect or feeling. Once again, it's not the same world. We don't live in the same uh, environment that we did when I was growing up and others are growing up. The world's a faster place. I, I get all that. I, I certainly do understand that. Um, but, 
I, I, I think uh, you, you still see magicians doing a lot of the same tricks, which involves uh, sorcery and witchcraft. Ha <laughs> ha! Wink, wink, nod, nod. But but every, everybody knows once you look beyond the storytelling of it, it really does have a method to its madness. And uh, if the trick is performed properly and and with intensity and authenticity and passion uh then you're going to get it and you're going to you're going to get this feeling inside that's hard to explain unless you felt it and a lot of us who grew up with professional wrestling and even though we we caught on uh usually by the time we were preteen or or however long it took for others um you still got that feeling when you watched for my era, it would be Terry Funk, Dory Funk, Jack Briscoe, uh, Jose Lothario, Johnny Valentine, people like that, Wahoo McDaniel. The, the guys who, when they went in the ring, yes, there was showmanship. Yes, there was hoopla and, and buffoonery at, at times. Of course there was. I mean, even the great Malenko, who was a fantastic worker and Dean Malenko's dad, you know, he, he could be vicious. But then he had a slapstick side to him as well. And um, the thing, though, is he always uh, came out and didn't break character, so to speak, while he was at the arena. Uh, didn't let anybody see him um, in, in any other persona or aura other than the great Malenko when he was in public. So... Uh, that's another issue with having the locker rooms as your sanctuary where you don't bring your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, any of that stuff in the locker room. You leave it to the people who belong in there, and uh, that's your space to breathe and relax and, and, and get your head together and, and whatever else you need to do. Uh, but these days I see a lot of times – and I don't mean, well, I don't mean to go off on a rant, but hell, I mean to go off on a rant. A lot of times you'll have the boyfriends and sisters, dogs, cats, elephants, zoo animals back there, and, and they don't belong there. It should be separate from the paying audience, separate from the fans, separate from anybody who doesn't need to be in the back. And unfortunately, that's what we've come to, and uh, that's why... <laughs> that's why it is what it is today for the good, the bad or the indifferent. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was kind of cool to get back right where we started from that. Uh, WWE is now calling the performance center, uh, capital, the capital wrestling center. And, and with a nod to 1953 and the fact that WWWF, uh, hadn't even existed yet, but they were running, uh, shows and, and events back in that time. So, um, yeah, it, it's a it's a good thing, I think. And I, I would hope that uh, there will be a generation that comes up that's curious about how professional wrestling got to the point it's at. But with all the distractions, I'm not so sure there's, there's enough time. I really don't. Now, does Vince, I don't know if you would know this, but does Vince have any say? Or that's Triple H naming it and, and, you know, using Vince McMahon senior quotes and all that stuff. Is anything Vince Jr. or is this Triple uh, H is doing? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's Triple H is doing, but nothing gets approved unless Vince approves it. Nothing gets done unless Vince says, go ahead. 
Yeah, so I'm sure he re- they read it by Vince, no doubt. And and I'm sure Vince uh, said, yeah, let's do it with with no other. Uh, you know, Vince, every you can't. If we've learned anything throughout the years, you know, of course, we can't stay the same. We've got to keep changing. Um, with this caveat, the basics and fundamentals never go out of style. So, <laughs> excuse me, I do believe Vince understands that, but I also believe Vince knows that uh, with with the fickle public and fans, you, you have to uh, treat it appropriately and accordingly. And uh, going back to the past, to... to Reinvent the future is not a bad idea, I think, and I, I would think Vince could see the the value in that and and the um, the the appreciation in that. So Hunter, again, being an old school guy, being an old school fan, uh, shares his passion uh, unabashedly. So you know, I, Vince, Vince, I think is is willing these days, probably, I'm not there, obviously, but probably um, open to a lot of ideas like that because what what is old will be new again, and if it's done properly, it'll be done better than they did it the first time, hopefully. So, uh, yeah, I think certainly it was, it was somebody's idea, and I'd venture to say Hunter's, and uh, nothing gets done unless Vince put his, puts his stamp of approval on it. So, yeah. So I think that'll be a topic for many other days, if you know what I mean. Like, I think that's going to be constantly brought up, kind of this old school with the new school flavor. But today, and today's topic, I wanted to talk about the Brackus. Akam Albright, your your old buddy, a part of the original training class. I just wanted to get into, because, you know, we've talked about The Rock many weeks ago. We talked about Mark Henry a few weeks ago. I wanted to kind of get into Brackus, because he's one of the guys – that oddly enough, I think Vince probably thought the most of. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but you know, what's your take on that? Did he, was he I, one of the original guys that he was like, "This is going to be the guy"? I, I don't know if Vince ever uh, thought or said this is going to be the guy, but I certainly know Vince uh, was was a huge proponent and fan of Ockham. I um, and I got to say this from day one. You know, we we. Uh, we all came to Stanford, and we all were staying at the wonderful Holiday Inn in downtown Stanford, Connecticut. And, um, you know, it was before they, they found us an apartment and found us a place to stay there. And, and I was originally supposed to stay with the boys, and I said, no, 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 I need to, I need to be separate. I can't, I can't coach and I can't teach and also be a roommate. I need some... Uh, I need some space, and they need some space away from me too. But Brockus, uh, from the first day, was one of those guys. Uh, I've said this before. He was on. He was featured on many, many bodybuilding magazines. He was like one of the top uh, bodybuilders in that era. And uh, when we would walk into, as I said, on the road, and even at Stanford, there, we would work out at the, the uh, Titan gym at the office, but on occasion, he would want to go to another gym in Stanford. And I, th- and I don't believe they had a gold, but this was more of a hardcore gym. And when we walked in, there there he would be on 
on the uh, desk or on the, uh, the the tables when you'd walk into the gym, Occam would be on the front cover, and everybody knew who he was when he walked in. So he was he was a great guy. He would have been perfect for the business. Um, he was married, and his wife and daughter stayed in California. Uh, she and she visited a couple times, but you know this is this is a it's a rough business uh, being single. But when you're married, you just amplify that. And um, he he really had the aptitude to be in with the boys, no doubt. At the same time, uh, he wasn't sure what what that uh, atmosphere backstage really meant or what it was what it was was like. He 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 would get along. He certainly knew how to get along. Uh, but I remember one person in particular who kept calling him Akeem. Hmm. You know, yeah. Well, he and, and he looked at me after they left, and and I know this guy knew his name. But he says, "What? What am I? A Muslim now?" And I thought, "No, no, no. He's just—he's just playing with you. Just don't blow up. He's okay. Leave it alone." But um, he, but he, on the road when uh, uh, it was usually when he he went on the road, uh, they—I don't believe Mark and Rock and Occam ever went on the road at the same time together. And if they did, uh. We all rode together, but but uh, a few times, Occam and I rode just he and I, and um, uh, he was he was from Germany or uh, I think Germany. Uh, I want to say maybe Austria, but but more more likely it was Germany, and he had this um, thick accent, uh, and, and it had a great attitude. He just was a strong guy. Didn't know his own strength. Wasn't sure about professional wrestling, what what it really entailed. He 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 couldn't grasp, at least with me, you know, the point of uh, loosen up. Every time I worked with him, man, that first clothesline he gave me knocked me through a loop. I would have a headache the rest of the week. So uh, in that respect, and we would have to go everything, go over everything. At least four times before we went out. Pardon me again. Before we go out uh, to the ring. So it was one of those things. He never really watched wrestling. He was an athlete in the sense that um, uh, he he could do some some box jumps and, you know, had a short cardio spurt. By, By no means was he had that enduring or endurance like flair or some of the other guys, but you know, he, he did look impressive. He, he did have uh, the right attitude, especially when he started out, you know, because it was, uh, it was still pretty much the boys backstage. And, um, uh, in other words, we didn't go back and play video games when we were done. You know, we found other ways to entertain ourselves after the show. And, you know, it was it was uh, <laughs> it fit for him in in the sense that he could work out all day and then go to the show at night and eat right and things like that. But then it came time to having to actually learn uh, some pointers on charisma and um, 
connecting with the people, connecting with fans. And I, I believe he got two vignettes on TV, never never wrestled on TV, but or maybe maybe he did Brawl for All, I think. But you know, I worked with him on the house shows, uh, going around the loop, and oh my goodness, uh, it was it was challenging, but but a great guy overall. He he really was. So you knew before he came in, you knew exactly who he was as far as the bodybuilding pedigree. No, I knew he had a bodybuilding pedigree, but I I didn't follow bodybuilding, and I, I still don't. But I mean, when we would go in places, he would be on the cover, and I would see it and go, "Okay, I get it." Uh, but I, I I wasn't quite sure until I did that with him, until I went to the gyms with him and saw how people would go, "Oh my God, it's Ockham Albrecht," and I thought, "Okay, great, it's Ockham Albrecht," but tonight he's Brockus and he's going to kill me. So that was that was what I was new. But he was a good guy, man. He really was. He 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 would be very nice to to people who did recognize him and never big dogged anybody. And uh, uh, I, I think he went to Brett's for a while, stayed up there for a little bit, uh, hung out with Davy Boy, and, and and got that lesson in life. As far as Brackus, what did you think about him? I know you're saying maybe he didn't have the endurance, but what did you think of him as an athlete transitioning into pro wrestling? He was a bodybuilder transitioning into pro wrestling. So being a bodybuilder and an athlete, I I, I, I get that they're one in the same, but actually uh, as a bodybuilder, it's, it's so uh, specific and it's so – involved and it's so uh, you have to you have to be so dedicated down to the centigram or center, centimeter whatever whatever grams of uh you measure your food and all that crap man dude i i can't i can't uh we would get to the town find a, a store and, and and get apples get fruit and and get get the best food we could at the at the grocery store. Well, if I was riding with somebody else, we'd drive through Arby's or something and grab something to eat. But, you know, I get it. it it's a lifestyle. And so is wrestling. It, it's a lifestyle. And uh, uh, you have to be extremely uh, focused and dedicated to, to do both at the same time, in my opinion. You know, guys like Luger and, and, and uh, Putsky and um, good gosh – who who is another oh superstar Billy Graham you know, mm-hmm. back in back in those days, um, there 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 was that that dedication and there was that passion for looking the part and um, I I don't remember where I read it where I heard it but you know superstar didn't really enjoy being in the back uh, hanging out in the locker room with the guys he. He said he just never, uh, never enjoyed that part of the business. He he would always go to the gym, send word with somebody to tell Vince that he was at the uh, downtown uh, athletic club in New York. I forget if that was what it was called, the, the U.S. whatever it was called in New York at that time. And he'd be there about eight thirty, you know, because because most of the guys back then the, the rule was you had to be in the locker room an hour before the show. Uh, so. You know, it, it's it, it is one of those things that yes, you're an athlete, but you you are in a 
whole different world when you're 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 doing doing I don't know how many reps or how many sets of, of, of calves you do, but there's about twelve or fifteen different exercises, and you're going to do each one, or you're going to pick this one for this day and that one for the other day. I don't know, man. It was uh, I loved working out with those guys because you know I, I got a good workout. I was one of those guys that we'd go to the gym and I would follow what you're doing, no doubt. Uh, and and I could do that, and I I, I got into the habit where I, I have my routine, and I know what I can do, and know what I want to do. But these guys had their routine, and they 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 knew how to get the most out of uh, every workout, even if we had 45 minutes, and and that's uh, usually what we trained with. We usually trained about an hour, didn't waste any time, and got in and got out. So he, as, as a as an endurance athlete. Man, he he wasn't there, but of course it takes years to get there in wrestling. I think, but but as a as a bodybuilder who took care of himself and and knew what to do, uh, obviously they don't put just anybody on the covers of Muscle and Fitness. Well, now they 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 do or Iron Man or whatever it is. You know, he looked the part. He he was he was an impressive uh, specimen and. I, like I said, I don't know if he was Vince's favorite, but I know that that Vince was certainly looking forward to uh, getting whatever whatever he could out of him, and uh, somehow it just didn't work out. I could see Vince because he's a former Mister Universe. I could see Vince going like Mister Universe, like I could see him yeah. loving him. You know what I mean, like that type of guy. Yeah, and, and he did, and I remember. <laughs> Uh, the things I've done. I remember uh, we walked into <laughs> to, <laughs> to the lobby one time. Don't know the town. Uh, walked into the lobby of the hotel though, and it was Vince, uh, Pat, oh somebody else, maybe Jr. My yeah, I think it was Jr. Vince, Pat, and Jr. And we had just come. Uh, had to be for TV, I guess. And we walked in, and it was Akam and myself. Now, I I just I'm ready to just go up to my room, but Vince says, "Hey, you you fellas want to go eat? What do you say to Vince? No, I just want to go go to my room. Why, sure, we want to go eat. And uh, so here's an opportunity. And and back then, you know, it's different today, but back then I just was a horrible conversation starter, mm-hmm. conversation keeper, conversation follower. I just, man, leave me alone type guy. And uh, so now I have, I know there's going to have to be something to talk about. And we go to eat and um, uh, it was a place, it was a steakhouse. It wasn't Ruth Chris. I don't remember what it was. I just remember sitting in this restaurant. And Vince says something to Occam, and then there's silence. And then I, I told a horrible joke, and they just looked at me like I had three smoking turds coming out of my mouth. And I thought, <laughs> Tom, maybe maybe you should have just gone to the room. But 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 he had a good conversation with Occam. Occam could converse. Occam could uh, relate to people who related to him. Not every wrestling fan knew about the Mystery Universe or, or cared about Iron Man uh, covers, you know, that was a, that was a hardcore bodybuilding magazine in the gym or, or things like that at that time. Uh, so it was, 
certainly, uh, I think it was on Vince's mind, uh, but in the back of his mind, too, I think Vince has seen enough guys, like a Ted Arsini, who's a power lifter, and, and, and the guys who, who know how to sculpt and do things, you know, the proper way, the right way, where they look just incredible, but once they get in the gym, or once they get in the ring, yeah, it's over. You know, so I think he knew that in the back of his mind that maybe, just maybe, and he may not be the guy, but in the front, uh, the frontal lobe is saying, God, if this guy could just get it, we could make some really good money with him. And and that would have been the case. But once again, I, I believe the the other outside forces and outside elements um, weren't weren't helping his cause either. You know, he had a family he missed in, in California. And... Uh, you know, you get around the wrestling business sometimes, and uh, you know, late nights turn into sometimes early mornings or late mornings, and 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 you have to find your workout somewhere. You got to find your meal somewhere. You got you you got to get to the town somehow. And there are 24 hours in the day, but you know, sometimes that takes up 18, 20 hours of your day, and that can wear on you if you're not used to it. And you're, I think, Occam when he came to us was God, was he late twenties, early thirties, maybe. So he was not, he was not a, a, a real young, young guy. He was a young guy, but he, but he wasn't like 25. I don't believe. So, you know, there, there was a lot of things that, that he was experiencing that, uh, would, would take anyone, uh, time to get used to. And, and, that being what it is, you know, Vince, I think, uh, eventually saw the writing on the wall. He gave him every opportunity. He did. He gave him every opportunity uh, possible to to make it. But um, sometimes the cards fall where they fall. Was he coachable? I mean, how was his English? You're saying he could have a conversation with Vince, but was he, like, able to grasp and understand everything? Yeah. Yeah, he could once we went over it. But – uh, it, it was it was more paint by the numbers with him in the beginning as it is with a lot of people, and the the problem with that is it's okay when it's me in there uh, because I'll paint by the numbers with him and I'll I'll <laughs> I'll make his paint and whatever he paints that much brighter I would think and and that much more intense. But somebody else working with him. And didn't know how to how to handle him, and didn't know how to talk to him. I think that's where it might have got sticky because I, I can I can only go out so many times, and I, I you, you have to move on. You have to to now prove yourself. And I don't know if it was anything of that that sort where guys would come back and say, "Oh my God, he he's, he needs to go away for a little bit," and then come back. I don't know if that was it, uh, but he 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 would listen and he he would uh, know how to do the moves. He would go if we laid out the match and I said we're going to do A first, B, C, D. When we get to uh, E, that's when you need to switch gears and I'll be talking to you the whole time, and then we're going into the finish. But if somebody just said, yeah, we'll do this, 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 and this, and if this comes up, just follow me. I don't know if he was that comfortable yet. Um, so you could have a conversation. I could have a 
man, we had a lot of fun <laughs> away from away from the ring, you know, to and from the towns, even in Stanford, uh, going to dinner and, and just talking because because we would go to dinner uh, a lot in Stanford, and sometimes uh, Rock and Mark would join us, and sometimes they wouldn't. You know, same thing with those guys. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd go individually, and sometimes we'd go together, but. But it was all just a matter of, do you have a passion for for this? Do you have a passion for wrestling? Do you have a passion for, for being on the road away from your family uh, all the way across the country, and you're, you're in the locker room at that time? You had uh, – it, it, it's always been um, a locker room full of smart asses and, and – playfulness and ribbing uh if you're not used to that you know i don't i don't know how you take it and especially if you're on top in in this bodybuilding genre and then you come into a place where some guys look good and some guys look like shit you know how do you handle that because some of the guys that don't look as good as you are giving you hell just to rib you and you're not sure about what a rib is um I don't know how it wore it on him. We we never really discussed that. I mean, he acted like he took it well, but but you know, a lot of guys cracked. And uh well, going going living with uh, Brett for a little bit in Calgary, I mean, it has his advantages, sure, but at that time Davey was still around. I think oh yes, and Pillman, you know, before he passed away, Pillman uh <laughs> he he rode in the car with Pillman. He told me this story. And I can see it from Brian. Oh my gosh, um, he and I, I. I guess it was. Yeah, they were on the road, and and Brian was was poking Occam, and and I don't want to say what Brian was saying, but but Brian was being Brian, and Occam wasn't sure how to take it, and Brian could rib pretty stiff. So you know, it, it was little things like that uh, that that he had to learn how to um, to maneuver and manipulate and and just get through the, the the little initiation period, I guess it would be. And and sometimes he 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 did, and other times he didn't. I remember this was this was really, and and why I remember this part is because it was. Uh, maybe just a month or a couple of weeks before Brian passed away, you know, because Ockham was so hot at him. Um, and then then Brian died, you know. So uh, he never mentioned Brian's name again, but at the same time, you know, it was almost like a relief to him, I guess. Did Pillman, you know, he was just messing with him on purpose? Did he really not like him? What well, was kind of the backstory there? I I think it was just Brian messing with him just to mess with him. I think Brian, you know, Brian was the kind of guy I didn't know Pillman very well at all. I had met him uh, a couple times. We worked with him uh, in uh, uh, WCW, but uh, I I didn't know Brian that well except that he was a ribber, and and he was Brian, and I'd seen him rip some of the guys in in the dressing room. So I don't think it had anything to do with uh, liking. Or not liking uh, Brockus, I think he was just just having fun in Brian's way. But you know, somebody who's green doesn't know how to take it. You know, he's going to take it the way he he thinks it's being intended. And I think it was just uh, I think it was just the boys being the boys. 
and I don't know who, I don't know what else or who else might have played with Brockus, but uh, you know that 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 was the business. You knew that if you'd been in the business, and at that time I'd been in, jeez, uh, fifteen years, sixteen years. So I'd, I'd seen it, and I already knew what to expect. I already knew a lot of the guys up there. I, I knew. I mean, it is what it is. And if you can't take it, you don't need to be in it. And that's that's the way we looked at it. Now, Jr. is obviously partially responsible for signing him. He's the head of talent relations. Bruce plays a big role. What do those two guys kind of think of Brackus at this point? I, You know, I don't know that either of them – uh, knew what to think. They were, they were reading my reports, and and at one time I do remember saying, "I think Brockus is getting this, uh, and and he'll be okay." But that's because he was with me, and and I was leading him every day. And once you have trust, and I wasn't messing with him, I wasn't, I wasn't giving him hell. I was I was legitimately wanting to help him. So in that respect. All, all they knew was what I was telling them. And, and the real test, pardon me, is when you go on the road. So uh, I'm sure whatever the agents were telling or saying in their reports, and back then it was Lanza, Strongbow, and uh, oh, whoever else was, Renee, well, no, Gurria. Renee Gurria, yeah, yeah. So whatever they were saying, uh, that's that's what they're picking up on. So I, I, I – I don't know because, like I said, some nights I would go out there and it would he would he every night I went out there with him he he was pretty nervous but um, I I just don't know it was after the brawl for all though that I'm sure uh, they that that fiasco that everybody kind of said well uh, not so sure this is going to be the guy or or at least a guy definitely one that. Bring up uh, brawl for all just uh, and just in a minute. As far as the reports, what's on these reports? And you're sending them directly to Vince, or you know you they disperse to Vince, uh, Bruce, Pat, and maybe Jr. I guess. No, no, they they were going to Vince, Bruce, uh, and Pat, and and uh, JJ also. Uh, so everybody got them, and everybody read the same thing. And it's all open for interpretation. And um, I understood who was seeing them. I understood what they were looking for. Um, and I would do my best to describe it uh, without saying, this guy is the drizzling shits. And I wouldn't <laughs> use those words. But there there, there were some that, that uh, later on that I would say, God almighty, guys, um, I don't know that he's going to get it. He could, but I don't know that he's going to. And I'll keep working on it and go from there. And, of course, next thing you know, he'd be on TV. Uh, but with Brockus, um, everything was pretty much positive. Even even when I'd get back and I'd write the reports on our match uh, and explain that, that he just needs to slow down and relax. And that's with everybody that starts. It's, it's the same thing. You have to slow down and relax. As far as... Brockus, I know what it was like at that point. We, were, we talked about it before with The Rock and Mark Henry. If you want, everybody can go back and listen to the archives about what developmental was like and the training. What was he like compared to those guys? Was he very, very far behind 
equal at any point, or was he always kind of a step behind those two guys? Uh, yeah, he he was he was pretty much a step behind. I mean, um, once again, a good guy, but just just a step behind, and uh, he because he came from a a whole a whole different world, and he he just he, he came from a place uh, that didn't. They, they regarded him as the top guy, and now he's coming in and having to start over. So uh, he, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not so sure he knew how to take that. And you know, again, uh, after talking events, you know, I'm sure he shot. He thought he would just come in, and all he had to do was. Uh, uh, it, it was was get on TV. So that's it. As far as, you know, I've mentioned this before, do you train guys differently and things like that? Just because of his English and maybe because of his background, do you have to train him differently at all? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't believe I ever did. We we were, no. Uh, and, and I almost, I've had people ask me, uh, that before last year, one guy asked me if I train anybody his size differently because I can't move this way. And I looked him in the eye and said, no, you're going to learn just like everybody else. Uh, and I hate people who think they're entitled. Look, man, big show went to OVW and Danny Davis and their instructions were making puke. And Danny Davis and um, Rip Rogers, Cornette, they ran him through the rigors and, and, and made him puke. And they did made him do made him do everything everybody else did, and that's to show you we can we can we can make it however difficult we want to make it. I don't believe in just torturing somebody for the fact for the sake of torturing somebody. I, I talked about the great Kali before. You know, there's a there's a difference in training a guy like that size. And putting him through the, the the same training as everyone else, and and between and making him run, you know, ten miles. He's a giant. He doesn't. I don't know. I don't see the benefit in making a guy with bad knees who is a legit seven foot tall or whatever that that does have an, an understanding of wrestling and uh, for the most part has a good attitude. He he just is. Uh, uh, he is the great Kali. He's from India. He doesn't always comprehend. Um, so I think it's, I'll probably, I'll, let me say this. I think it's a case by case basis on that. But my belief is everybody's going to train uh, the same, unless I'm specifically told by the boss to do something different. And in this case, nobody told me to do anything different than what I was doing. And that's what I did. Do you tell pretty quickly, like, I know we've kind of talked about it with other guys, but 
can you tell like, okay, this guy's going to make it. I know you were putting in your reports too. Is this guy going to make it? Is this guy not going to make it? Does he have the it factor? Does he not have it? Maybe he could work through it. What was like the thought on Brax? Like, I don't know about this guy. I'm kind of leaning towards no. No, no, no. Uh, I, I lean towards yes in the beginning because hmm. he, he seemed to really want to do it. And he said all the right things and he worked hard in the ring. Again, we would change shirts sometimes three times. We would get, uh, two shirts completely soaked, and then we soaked the third one too. You know, so I was bringing uh, anywhere from five shirts with me to to train that day, uh, every day, and it was. <laughs> I didn't use all five shirts every day. No, no, no. But there were times when we did. And there were times when we worked really, really hard, and it, it, it. I believe it's up to the individual. And when I would see it, and I make just a. A judgment call. Do I think the guy's getting it? Well, with Brockus, yeah. And he was listening to me. He was loosening up in, in uh, practice. But but practice in a live event in front of people, I mean, that's that's the, the catch. That's the tell the tell sign, I guess, you know. And it's like telling jokes in an empty room in front of the mirror. You know, hey, they sound great, but you don't know if they work unless you go out in front and in front of people and try it. And that was the same thing with Brockus. We had a match lined up and laid out, you know, that, that we practiced. And we'd get to the building, and uh, he forgot everything. And we'd have to go over it four to five times prior to going out. And uh, <laughs> almost every time. You know, I'm I'm getting ready to go out. I'm, I'm I've got to take a, a last minute piss, and and he's standing right there with me. Okay, what are we doing at the beginning? What are we doing after that? What are we doing after that? What are we doing? What's the finish again? Oh my God, man! I'll call it out there. Just relax. It'll be okay. And the first clothesline, he just leveled me, and uh, I didn't forget it. It just it it. It gave me a headache the rest of the damn tour. You know, it's not his fault. He's green, but that was my job. So uh, I thought he was getting it, and I was hoping he would get it because he deserved to get it. He was a good guy. He wasn't an asshole. Uh, he was just in a business that, that not everybody grasps. Not everybody should grasp. It's not for everybody, it, especially back then. Oh, my God. Uh it was. It really was full of a lot more colorful characters who um, were living life on the edge. I guess is the best way to describe it. And and if you got a little too close to them, sometimes uh, you know their their heat would would burn you. And and sometimes you were just in that. Uh, that atmosphere, their, their stratosphere, and, and, and they keyed in on you sometimes, and, and right, wrong, or indifferent, or fair, or unfair, or whatever you want to say, uh, you had to deal with it as best as you can. And some people dealt with it by just brushing it off or ignoring it, and other people dealt by uh, getting in the guy's face and saying, you want to go outside, or you have a problem with me, let's settle it here. And Occam uh, was a little docile and didn't didn't want to make any waves, didn't want to make any trouble. He wasn't afraid. I'm not saying that, uh, but he sure didn't want to cause any trouble in his new yeah, new home of WWE. Uh, and I I at times like he told me, when he came to me about with Pillman, 
I, I told him, don't let it bug you. It's no fun kicking a dead body. Just just don't put it over. But when you get mad, that's what they're looking for. Uh, if you laugh it off, don't act like it doesn't bother you at all. He's going to get bored. He's going to get tired. You move on to the next victim. That's that's how it was. And I don't believe it's that, that way these days because we've uh, we've we've come to this point where everybody gets uh, hurt, offended, insulted, and uh, pissed off if you use uh, the salt shaker they were going to use in catering and uh, offended them by that. It's interesting with him. At first they were calling him Argo, and then they decided to go with Brackus, but he's really working with you when they first start putting him out there on the road, really in the Northeast primarily. I mean, Rochester, Syracuse, Lowell, Mass, Poughkeepsie, Utica. I mean, all these uh, northern kind of northeastern places. Eventually he'll go down to Palm Beach, Florida, and the Ice Palace in Tampa and different places, but it's really against Dr. X. Is this just you kind of, okay, I'm going to make sure this guy gets it. I don't care if it takes four months, five months. I'm going on the road with this guy, and we're going to be working a ton of matches together. Well, that was my idea, sure. Uh, they they wanted to get him on the road ASAP, and, and they would rather have him, have him working with me because I had worked with him all that time in the studio. So I, I, was, I was familiar with him, and he was fam- familiar with me and comfortable enough. Uh, so we thought, and, and for the most part he was, and, and I told him it would be better to lay things in as opposed to trying to pull it and not hurt me. So that was, that was my instruction to him too. I'm not saying, oh, he went out there and just stiffed me because he, he wanted to stiff me. No, I, I understood the gig. I understood what was what we were doing here, and, and, and a lot of times that's, well, every time you should do that with someone, uh, tell them to be safe, but you also have to protect the guy you're in there with. This, this was a big, huge, as you said, former Mr. Universe, and looked like he looked, and I looked how I looked. I was not a big guy, not a big guy. Here this monster is. So it would look terrible if he's trying to take it easy on me. But there's ways to do that in safe places and, and uh, timing and feeling. And, and you, I didn't expect anything to be perfect. But, yeah, the, the idea was for me to go on the road with him, uh, take care of him outside the ring as well, calm him down, and when we get to the building, reassure him that we're going to have a great match. And if we mess up, don't worry about it. We have it covered. It'll be okay. Nobody's perfect. And that's what we did, man. There was there were times that I'm I, I couldn't give you one specific instance right now, but but all all I would do is talk to him and tell him to calm down, and I would grab a headlock or a hold, or I would kick him in the gut and tell him to sell, and we'd go on with what we had planned. But um. My job at that time was to get the most out of uh, all our guys in developmental. And back then, I, I you know, <laughs> had the beginnings of a of a bad, horrible neck. But uh, you know, I was still taking bumps, and I was still doing a lot more active in the ring. And it, it was a great gig, and it was it was a great time to to be in developmental, to run developmental, and and have the opportunities that were presented to us all. So uh, without that, 
we wouldn't have got Mark Henry, we wouldn't have got The Rock, and we wouldn't have got a chance to see Brockus. Brockus goes down to USWA for a little bit. Um, it's basically double countouts and DQs. Wrestled Stephen Dunn, wrestled the legendary Bill Dundee a few times, goes to ECW, defeats Danny Doring, has a TV title match against Taz, which he loses in basically less than three minutes at CyberSlam. Uh, that was kind of one of those things that's like, wow, isn't this guy kind of an undefeated WWE prospect? And he goes to ECW and he gets squashed by Taz. Right. Was, was that all Heyman's doing? I mean, does WWF even care? Uh, well, I'm sure by that time uh, he was still under contract. And uh, why wouldn't ECW want to take advantage of it and bring him in and have their guys beat him? And I think uh, at that by that time, um, the powers that be, the decision makers had probably given up and said, okay, we, we're still paying him, so uh, let's, let's let ECW have him and do what you will. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think that was – I don't know that to be the case. I'm just surmising that to be what, what happened. But uh, it sounds perfectly in the realm of possibilities to me. It is interesting that they have a tour. This is right before Barofaro. They have a tour of Germany, and he loses every night. I mean, first they end up in the U.K., and then they start going to Germany. But it's just crazy. Like, if he's German, Mr. Universe, and they have him on the roster, usually they protect those guys, and those guys usually go over. But it just shows you they kind of gave up on him him at that point. They didn't care about him because he loses to Jeff Jarrett every night, and he loses to Mark Merrow. Isn't that kind of crazy? In Germany, the hometown boy loses every night. Well, he sure wasn't Walter, and uh, who was being <laughs> who was being punished in that instance? Uh, Jarrett and Wal- uh, Jarrett and Merrill, or uh, or Brockus? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's like, hey, Jeff, we got some good news and bad news. You know, you you're going on the Germany tour, and you're going to probably be good houses and stuff. And yeah, we got you to work on the Brockus. Like, oh man. Because, yeah, by that time, uh, the writing was on the wall, I'm sure. Now, you throw him in brawl for all against Salvio Vega. He loses. um, Unanimous decision loss. Just, uh, or really, I guess on points, technically, he loses. But the thing is with this, was this like a last-ditch effort? Like, all right, let's see. If he does legitimately good, we could do something with him. If we put him out there and and he stinks and shits the bed, you know, screw him. You know, bodybuilders not necessarily aren't going to be good fighters just because their oxygen level is going to be terrible, not going to be able to move around over that great. Well, that plus uh, he wasn't training for functionality. He was training mm-hmm. just, to, yep. just, just to get muscles, you know. So, I mean, it's a whole different way of training now, obviously, in the gym for functional training and things like that. But, uh, you know, and Savio was such a, such a great guy, such a good guy backstage, and, and Savio didn't want to hurt this guy, man. He had he had, and that was that, I think that was a lot with Savio too. Savio had too good of a heart, and and uh, I, I don't know if this was a last ditch effort on for anybody in the brawl for all because you saw what happened to poor Bart Gunn. I mean, this was a Doctor Death vehicle to get Doc over and work with Austin, and man, oh man, oh man. You know, you knock Dr. Death out, you're going to become the biggest superstar in the world. Yeah, right. So, you know, um, I, I think it was just a fact that they were throwing guys out there. I mean, that brawl for all, that was 
Yeah, we can go into that for a long, long time. But 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 you 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 I think they were they being again the office and whoever was was really gung ho, uh, was just seeing who would shine, who would drop, who would um uh, come out of it. You know, Severn after the first match said to hell with this. Shamrock didn't even want any part of it because he knew what it would do to him and his career. You, you're going in with untrained fighters. You're going in there and, and uh, taking a chance to get hurt. I mean, my God, <laughs> the guys, guys came out of that with with injuries and and you know bruised egos and and psyche and and never were the same again. Everybody knew how tough Bart Gunn was backstage, and everybody knew how tough Savio was backstage, but. Thing with Savio is he he was he was a nice guy backstage, badass yes, but a nice guy, and he didn't want to hurt Brockus, so he was taking his his time with it, and he broke his nose in it though. Brockus broke his nose, and that wasn't good. But um, yeah, he, I, I just think in the end they they do what they do with everybody. Um, you know, you you we, we couldn't do this with you, but so we'll let somebody else uh, take a bite of your sandwich and until it's done and gone and you will be too. You know, it's funny. Savio Vega in interviews has said Brock has came up to him. No one told him if it was a work or a shoot. So I think that's kind of another thing why Savio didn't go like absolutely crazy right. ball to the walls. If you, if you rewatch it, you know, he, he not he takes it easy, but you know, he makes sure he wins, but he doesn't try to like kill him. I think he kind of thought in his mind, like, this guy really thinks this is like we're working. This is a shoot. Nobody explained to him the rules. Right, right, right. Well, <laughs> see, and, and, he ne- and he never even asked me about it, and I, I don't believe I was at TV for all of those either. Uh, so, and hell, looking at it, some of the guys didn't even know it was a work or a shoot. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was the predicament he found himself in. And, um, not knowing really where to go or who to ask, you, you left your own devices in a business that uh, uh, is, is neither fish nor fowl. And, and, and the day you think you're having tartar sauce, you needed, uh, uh, you know, some duck, duck sauce. And he, he wasn't sure, what, he wasn't sure what, what was going on and how the table was set for this one. So, you know, thank goodness for Savio because he might've got mauled even worse. Um, and her even worse if he would have would have got Bart or or anybody else. Hell, I don't know. Yeah, I believe he loses to Draws. I think maybe even gets knocked out by Draws the next round. But um, as far as the Abracus, did you foresee him ever becoming what Vince wanted him and, and Mister Universe on TV and a star? Or I know you said you kind of thought he would make it, but did you ever think like, okay, this guy could be? Vince's vision, you know, Vince's perfect wrestler, this bodybuilding guy that I can really talk up, you know, did you ever think that would happen? Or are you kind of always in the back of your mind were like, eh, this guy is not going to be the, the top guy? Well, when Vince had the World Bodybuilding Federation, uh, mm-hmm. the guy he signed was Luger because Luger understood wrestling. Maybe Luger wasn't the greatest in, in the ring, but what we do in the ring is really such a minuscule part of what the business is about. And I don't believe, especially with hindsight, um, that Brockus had the ability 
or even cared about the the uh, mechanisms happening backstage that that kind of ran the whole thing and and there is a method to the madness even backstage too with all the chaos that was going on at that time and and all the, the skullduggery and whatever you want to call them describe it uh i just don't think it was his bag i don't think it was his deal i don't think he he was interested or uh it it, it that it connected with him and you know um at one time, possible, but the guy they, they brought in to make it all happen like that and to be that bodybuilder and to be able to transition over to the other side was Luger. If Brockus would have had that moxie and that business sense and the uh, uh, ability to to see the business for what it is, and at that time, for what it was, uh, might have been a different story. But once again, you know, he had a family. He had a home. He had a place in California. And here he was pulling up stakes, coming all the way across country to to learn something completely new, completely foreign to him. And, uh, yeah, he had been on the, the cover of all the bodybuilding magazines. And I say all of them, all of them. And he was... Uh, he was known by a powerful man, Vince McMahon, and a lot of the boys who, who enjoyed lifting and, and bodybuilding put him over, and a lot of the boys didn't. But I think, uh, looking back on it, uh, I, I, I think he he was destined to do what he did, and he was destined to end that way and the way it ended. So... I, I don't know that, that he could have made I mean, sure, anybody could have made it if we all make the right decisions. But uh, he didn't, and he didn't. I think that is a, a great stopping point. It's a great time to mention a pro wrestling curriculum, advice, suggestions, and stories to help the aspiring pro get to the next level. Dr. Tom, we are talking about your awesome book. Where can the fans get this book? You can get my book on Amazon.com. Just type in Dr. Tom's book in the subject matter and also on PayPal. If you want a personally signed autographed copy of my book, my PayPal account is DrTomPritchard at AOL.com for only $25, and I would be happy to send you one uh, just like that. Also, go to ProWrestlingTees.com. You can pick up a, a JPWA shirt or a, a Dr. Tom shirt. Always like to mention the Wanted Dead or Alive shirt. I think that shirt is awesome. You can also check out the JPWA website, jpwrestlingacademy.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip, and you can follow Dr. Tom at Dr. Tom Pritchard. Dr. Tom, do you have any personal appearances coming up? Uh, not in the near future, but we will be talking about that probably later this month, uh, the 4th, 5th, and 6th in uh, Winston-Salem for AML, and we'll have more information about that as we get a little farther. I don't want to do things too far out because then we've, people forget about it, and even though we're publishing it. And you know what? Actually, because I don't, I don't know exactly where the information is. I mean, I know the dates. But I don't know. I don't know. 
So that's why I say we'll, we'll talk about it probably the middle of this month or at the end of this month. How's that? Sounds great to me. I'd like to thank everybody for joining us this week and every week on Taking to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard. See you next week, folks. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.